This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Action. As part of the sort of dorky and endearing quality to Ted, I started throwing in these really bad puns <laughs> and these oh, really those were terrible... Yeah, it was something that I just started throwing in into these scenes, uh, like off the top of a scene. If I was like with a cat, I would be like, don't let anyone tell you that you're not perfect. And like eventually they started using them and then writing them for me. And it was really a, a wonderful and unexpected thing to not only be able to play this character, but to have my own unique stamp on the character as well. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to EW on set. Yeah, you thought we were done with us. <laughs> You're not. I'm Shana Naomi Crockmall. And I'm Patrick Gomez. This is Entertainment Weekly's exclusive companion podcast to the sixth and final season of Schitt's Creek, uh, which, of course, uh, you probably already know if you're listening to this, uh, ended uh, this week. Um, and uh, we just couldn't couldn't get enough of you guys. And we weren't done. We weren't done. Uh, we had more stuff that we wanted to get you guys. Um, so this is going to play a little bit like... Uh, like a little bit like a normal episode, we've got uh, uh, some exclusive onset interviews with the cast, um, and you're going to hear some of those, some things that just really didn't fit, uh, or because of spoilers, we couldn't really play in when we played other interviews for them. Um, you are going to hear from everybody, from Dan Levy, Eugene Levy, Annie Murphy, Noah Reed, Emily Hampshire, Sarah Levy, Dustin Milligan. Um, they all just had so much great stuff to tell us, uh, and we wanted to make sure you got to hear all of it. We, and by we, I mean our producer Carly, was so well organized that we knew going in that we had some stuff that might not fit into each of the episodes. This whole thing was such a, a almost absurd logistical challenge to figure out how to pre-tape a bunch of content about 14 episodes and then fill it in with a bunch of interviews that we did. And um, we we knew there was some stuff that might not fit. Carly did a great job of getting so much of it to fit anyway. But at the end, when we looked at what was going to happen, A, either we were going to have a two-hour episode on Wednesday, which would have been okay, I guess, a little ridiculous, but even for us, it turns out. Or we could take a bunch of these extra pieces and put them all here for you to listen through. So Shana, before we get to that, I want to know, we, we've had a little bit of time to process everything now. Uh, when we recorded, we? Well, when we recorded the podcast, it <laughs> yes. was like super, super fresh. Yes. Do you feel any differently about it or have you like kind of processed things in any sort of new and special way? Like, have I stopped crying? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, pretty much that's what I'm asking. Uh, not, I mean, kind of, but not totally. I keep having moments where I'll remember specific little things. Yeah, and after we recorded, I kind of had a little bit of an emotional breakdown. Like, it was a mix of different things, but I think the, like, hours I had spent crying about Shit's Creek before that definitely played into it. Um, and then... I think it's still, it still doesn't feel totally real. So uh, what about you? It's a little like uh, after your last semester of high school or college when it doesn't really feel real until you start seeing everyone else coming back. Like I feel we're not going to really accept that this is over until other shows that have 
gone off the air for a little bit, come back for their new seasons, and we mm-hmm. don't have some new Shit's Creek. Mm-hmm. Or we start seeing these folks in other shows. But all of that might take longer than we were fully expecting. So I still vote that if this production shut down and general mayhem lasts longer than we're predicting, I think they should just go back and make another season. I mean, the world needs it. They would be doing basically, it it would be a service. It Mm -hmm. would be a service to the world by putting out that positivity (laughs) and magic. But yeah, no, I just, uh, it's been a pleasure getting to, to kind of experience this. And, and, uh, you know, now that people are able to talk about it, uh, you know, this is obviously it's aired. So if you haven't watched the documentary, watch that, because to be honest, I'm, that's what's making me cry even more. Mm -hmm. So when I remember moments from that, so this is just all here to help you continue to process and to just prolong <laughs> your life in Shit's Creek. Uh, what do we got up first, Shana? You know that my my number one irrational complaint, my only real complaint of this series finale was that there was no logical way to get Ted back to Shit's Creek for that wedding. So to make up for it, we had a delightful time sitting down with Dustin Milligan earlier this year, and we had so much stuff, partly because we were trying to be really careful of cutting around spoilers around what happened with Ted and Alexis, and partly just because uh, Dustin is a great, fun guy who was more than happy to sit down and talk at length about his start on the show and um, how he feels about the other actors. So here you go. All the Dustin Milligan that somehow didn't fit, but we could definitely not let How did you get cast on the show and what was your experience of sort of coming to it? So I I, I live in Los Angeles and Dan Levy also uh, was living in Los Angeles at the time. And we sort of have this this Canadian actors circle around the city um, where we meet in secret and talk about how we're going to overthrow the entire industry and take over. How's that going? With our Canadian ideals. Uh, Really well, to be honest. Yeah, this is this is step 497 out of a 2000 step plan. Okay, Uh, me being here right now talking. So all is going according to plan. But no, we. We uh, had sort of known each other in in that kind of mm-hmm. way. We were kind of buddies, and um, he had a party at his house and was like, "Hey, I'm writing this show, and I think there might be a role for you on it." And I was like, "Oh, cool! Like, wait, cool. did he just like sort of offer me a role?" Turns out, no. I had to audition for it. <laughs> how many uh, other people had he said that to? Yeah, exactly. That's that. the thing. It's like how many other Ted's were at that party, uh, and he was just using it uh, as some kind of power grab. No, but uh, so you won I, the battle of Ted's. Well, yes, I, I, I ended up auditioning for it, um, which I'm always happy to do because I love to actually bring what I can bring to the character. And um, yeah, I, I ended up getting the role and I was really, really excited about it because for me, I I don't always get the opportunity to play comedy and to play comedy on a Canadian show working with Canadian legends like Eugene and Catherine. Uh, that, that was such a, a huge opportunity in my mind. That was like kind of a, a dream scenario. And so um, to kind of have their approval, Eugene's approval and Dan's approval ahead of time and, and to walk into this environment where I got to be funny was, I mean, it was incredible. I was so, so excited. And then with Ted specifically, uh, I don't always get cast as this, but one of my favorite types of characters to play comedically is the super naive and earnest nice guy, mm. almost stupidly, mm-hmm. like the, sort of that gullible kind yeah. of thing. Um which, which I think Ted, you know, is is really the perfect embodiment of that that sweet, naive, small town, nice guy who wants to have an edge, 
but truly does not. He's he's as round as they come. Uh, and and yeah, so it, it was really just this this wonderful thing where right from the get go, uh, I got to start. Not only did I get to bring that naivete, uh, that's French. Mm. You learned that in Canada for naivete. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's French Canadian. <laughs> For naivety, uh, but I, I got to bring that in, and then I was really, really grateful because um, I started as part of the sort of dorky and endearing quality to Ted that I saw. I started throwing in these really bad puns mm-hmm. and these oh, really those were your idea. terrible. Yeah, it was something that I just started throwing in into these scenes, uh, like off the top of a scene. If I was like with a cat, I would be like, "Don't let anyone tell you that you're not perfect," and like just little things like that. Yeah. And and eventually they started using them and then writing them for me, and it became this this sort of cornerstone characterization of Ted was that he was always making these terrible, terrible jokes. Um, which yeah, it, it was it's it was really a, a wonderful and unexpected thing to not only be able to play this character, but to have my own unique stamp on the character as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, How's that for a super long-winded answer to a very simple question? No, it was great. It was great. <laughs> um, I feel like this is where I should say that we're recording this in Los Angeles, as opposed to pretty much almost all of the other interviews that we've done for this podcast, which we did on set in Toronto, because you weren't there, which was something that was really noticeable. Like Almost everyone we talked to, because we also talked to other folks about this storyline, was very emotional about the fact that you weren't there and how weird it was to not have you with them through the end of the oh, season, especially because they were all definitely hitting this point where, like, every day everyone was super emotional. It was like, this is the last time we're going to shoot here. <laughs> yeah, this is the last yeah. time we're going to do this. And, like, yeah. you could just, every time we would ask people about, like, you know, how are you feeling about the end of this, they're like, I cried, like, seven times today. Like, everyone on the crew, the cast, had a lot of feelings. How... I mean, I imagine that must have been hard for you to not be there for the end of that shoot. It was. Uh, not to just like twist the knife. No, no, it's it's okay. I've been you doing spent a lot of time with this time. family yeah. <laughs> making this show, and they sort of, you know, even knowing that this was going to be the end and the sort of like final season. How did that feel? It it was one of those things that. Um, Again, I understood, you know, there's a schedule. That's how it works. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, and and I, uh, you know, as as much as I was ready for, you know, the next chapter to begin and, and to go on to do other things, yeah, there's that part of me where um, I actually had to refrain from uh, looking at social media too much mm. because that's what everyone was posting. Mm-hmm. It was just like non fucking stop. <laughs> You guys shut up. <laughs> uh, but it, it really was a thing where I had to, I had to stop just because I, yeah, it, it was that thing where I was sad that I couldn't be there to share in that, even though I had had this beautiful moment for, for my, um, for my, uh, sort of final scenes, it, it was already so, so lovely, but yeah, to not be there, um, for the day, by day of everybody just kind of processing. They had this nice long <laughs> opportunity to process it together and to like, you know, share those things and be like, you know, by the way, like in season two, I remember when you, and I loved it so much and I, knew, and I couldn't do any of that. Uh, so, so yeah, there was a little bit of a uh, sort of like a knee jerk thing where it's like, oh, I'm, uh, I have to start processing this immediately. Uh, but it, 
it is something where this show was such a special experience. It will be in my heart for a long, long time, forever. And uh, I know that everyone says this about their show, but we are all friends and we'll continue to be friends and, and continue to be spending time together. So in a lot of ways, it's just like the first chapter of this journey is coming to a close. But for all of us, I think uh, there's no doubt that we'd all want to be working together in any opportunity uh, for the next one. That's me pitching myself for mm-hmm. whatever shows. Spin off. Yeah, all, all the other, whatever other. you guys want. Old Ted's available. No, I was not worried about being killed off. No. <laughs> Doesn't uh, seem like that kind of show. No. Well, to be honest, though, that's another version of this that I thought would actually be really good. Honestly, How like. How does Ted die in this alternate reality? Uh, like smothered by a giant tortoise. You know oh, what I mean? Like yeah. trying to lift a giant tortoise like to safety and then ends up in doing so inadvertently getting crushed by some boulders, but the tortoise lives. Uh, I mean, just off the top you of my just, head. You haven't thought about that at all. <laughs> I mean, you I don't know. Or like saving the porpoises. Uh, How uh, mad are you? You didn't actually get to film in the Galapagos yeah. and or anything passing for the Galapagos. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, unless you're actually there, because there was initially a version of it where <laughs> you, we like filmed Ted on a beach and I'm like, like I've filmed on beaches in Toronto. It doesn't look like the Galapagos. There are beaches. I mean, I've been to Toronto and I know there's water there, but. Yeah, I mean, it's beach. on a, the Great Lake. Like yeah. it's on, you know yeah. what I mean? It's and there's there's like pine trees behind you, so it's pretty hard to to double that. Um, but uh, yeah, so I was I was like I, I get why they weren't actually sending me the Galapagos. Uh, but no, I I do think that there was a version of it where Ted dies mm. that I actually would have loved. You know what I mean? And just to have more dramatic. Yeah, to have at the funeral like just that <laughs> like that dumb grin on his face, like a photo sitting on the closed <laughs> casket because he was too mangled by these boulders. That you know what I mean? But just like. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's so funny. And then all the eulogies, uh, you know, and, and Mora would get a chance to do Danny Boy again, again. but get it right this He's time. So yeah, old Teddy Boy or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, man. Wow. I, I'm glad. If there is a spinoff series, that's how it should open. It should with start, Ted being dead. Yeah. Yeah. After the breakup, he still dies. Yeah. And then what? Still dead. <laughs> still <laughs> I just love him so much. Uh, and Shana, you were catching some of the like the content that the cast has been doing on social media, and he's yes. just amazing as amazing on there. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, well, what I appreciate about Dustin is he gets about two sentences into any given interview that I have seen him do and immediately stops to ask if he is allowed to swear. And then, assuming he is given the green light, swears like a sailor. This is something I appreciate in any actor or person. Um, I would say this is a cast who is all quite verbose and capable of keeping up with each other. But Dustin politely asks and then plows ahead. Um, And as always, that has been delightful. Um, Watching Annie Murphy as Alexis answer questions on Instagram Live while teaching the choreography to a little bit Alexis is truly one of the most outstanding comedy bets I've ever seen played out on Instagram, like give that girl a webby, give her an honorary spot in the SCTV Hall of Fame. I don't know. She was outstanding. They've all been great. Noah sang like a ton of different songs. He took requests. He raised a ton of money in the time that he was on there. I feel like if I were Noah, I would just do that every single night since I can't go tour right now. Um, He clearly has an audience for it. It was delightful. Everyone, like Dan and Emily talked about friendship. Like everyone's been great. Um, 
it's it's a, it is definitely in lieu of a seventh season they can just continue to do that also yeah i'm fine with that and it's easy i think we're going to get into it. we're in a world now where we're used to seeing zoom interviews on the news and on late night tv shows and i hope that just opens us up to be more accepting of that um in the future and we can get cast reunions or staged reading you know if dan just wants to write an extra bonus episode and they just want to do a zoom of it i'm fine with that Thanks, Stan. Like you can sure. give us little reunions. Let's uh, let's do it. Wait, how soon is too soon to have a reunion? If your show's only been off the air for like a week, too soon? Not too soon. Not too soon. It's never Not too, too soon, soon. <laughs> at least with this show. At least with this show. And also, like the thing is, they filmed this all last summer. For so for them, these are actually reunions. You know, for us, yes. we just saw it. Sure. But for them, you know, they they were done filming. You know, <laughs> last middle of last year. No one even knew what coronavirus was then. Exactly. So as I mentioned earlier, we loved the documentary. Uh, what what I thought was amazing is we, one, become super fans and watched every episode of the show and read a lot about the show and obviously did all these interviews with them. But I still learned things mm-hmm. uh, watching this documentary. And one of the ones we'd heard that the character of, of Twyla had developed. You've heard Sarah Levy kind of talk about how she turned this into the character that we know and love. But I don't think, Shana, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think either of us realized how different the character was in the pilot presentation. No, especially the look and feel of it all. Like, to see Sarah in those classes and that sort of, like, nerdy presentation as as Twyla was so different. It was very, like, 90s, early 2000s rom-com, like, before the makeover. It was a little (laughs) Blossom, a little, uh, like... Ginny and Garofalo in Reality Bites. Or like Judy Greer would have played her if this yes, had been made. if this uh, were 13 going on 30. Yeah, yes. exactly. Um, but anyway, we spoke to Sarah Levy uh, and we spoke to her about uh, the character development of Twyla. And uh, let's just listen to a little bit of that. Daniel is such a, an incredible writer and his imagination is unlike anybody else I've known. And um, he's crafted all of these characters so... Um, specifically and so wonderfully that the character of Twyla initially um, was kind of presented when we very first started it during the pilot presentation that we made as this very meek, quiet, nerdy, sad girl uh, who worked with her mom at a nail salon. And the character was kind of depressing in a way. Um, And when we actually went to series, I went over to Daniel's and we had talked about, it was the, um, we went over the scene in the second episode, the tailgate party. With the keg stand. With the keg stand. And she had this long monologue about inner workings of things because she was supposed to be drunk. and, And I just went to him because I know that he has such a clear idea of what he wants seen and heard that we finessed what we thought she might sound like, especially when she was drunk or what her attitude was and all of that. And um, and from there, I, I kind of molded this new character that was super positive and upbeat. And obviously the writing really helped, but it's just so much more fun to play somebody who's constantly wanting the best for people and has such goodness in her heart. She's so good that it just kind of 
it just kind of became this really bright, sunny character, which was really lovely. And it's so fun to play. She always is this like beautiful little piece of light in the middle of like whatever and the calm and the storm. Yeah. Even when you're sometimes like, girl, I think you should be a little more upset right now. Like, <laughs> I know. It's a little crazy. Especially with those scenes with Alexis, it's just uh, nudging her into the right direction without actually telling her that she's being ridiculous, which I love because she very well could just say it outright. Um, but I, I look at at Twyla's family and I look at the Roses and I think her relationship is so special with that family, um, mostly because her past is so dark and her family history is so dark that she looks at this family that thinks they're dysfunctional and are in a lot of ways. But to her, she's thinking, well, okay, their par her parents are together, they're both alive, no one's in jail, no one's lost a finger. The siblings get along. They all go out for breakfast and lunch and dinner. She's thinking like, where's the dysfunction in this? Everyone seems to, you know, be working. This whole unit seems to be working well. So it's all perspective. More, but also happy. Exactly, yeah. yeah. We'll be right back with Maury W. on set. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. This show has touched so many lives. We've seen these characters grow so much over six seasons. Here's just more. More of Emily, more of Eugene, more of Annie. Who else do we have more of here? Everyone. It, it's a little bit everyone. You know these people's voices by now, but we basically just wanted them to gush uh, because we want to gush about them. So we want them to gush about each other and filming the series and what it's like to say goodbye. So here's all of that. What is the future for Stevie going to be like after the end of the show? Well, there's so much I love about the fact that Stevie doesn't go to New York in realizing that, that and there's this great line, like, I guess I just needed to know that I could. And I think that also applies to being stuck behind the desk and realizing that she's not stuck. This is, it's, this is a great thing. It's her own um, business and she is her own boss and she's become a businesswoman um, on her own terms. And um, I think what's so, I don't know, great about that is that she realizes kind of the value of, of what Schitt's Creek is too in this way. Cause I think, I think she could have thought it was small and that other people thought it was small and insignificant and not important. Um, and I think, weirdly, the Roses, who seemingly valued all that stuff, showed her that too, that that it's um, there's a lot of value there. Um, so I think she, well, I love that she decides to stay, but she's going to travel and set up all the 
the motels. Um, mainly, my favorite thing is when I did my wardrobe fitting that I got this suit. And right away, I was like, oh my God. I actually think I started crying in the wardrobe fitting because it just seemed so to um, illustrate Stevie's journey and her arc in a way of like from her baggy jeans and like Converse and same thing all the time, all the seasons. And then that she's this businesswoman in a suit just was perfect. Well, it's great that you felt that way about that suit versus the uniform because you were telling us that oh, you told us that she was in the uniform as the flight yeah. attendant. Then that means it was right. It's funny because I am also an actor who's very like, what I'm wearing really matters um, because I feel like it just does it. When I put on Stevie's clothes, it's I'm Stevie, and um, and you're right because that felt right. It felt so good and powerful, and but in a good way, yeah. What do you envision is is Stevie's at least short term future? Does she loving it all? Does she find someone to travel to all those hotels with her? Does she get a huge staff? Um, wow, I'm just thinking of this now. Um, but it's weird. I don't see Stevie with like falling in love or anything, which is kind of what I loved about that cabaret episode. Cause that song, maybe this time has always been sung for like, maybe this time I'll get a man. And in, in the way we did it, I always felt like it was Stevie, like maybe this time I'll become like who I'm meant to become. And it was just all on her own terms. And I think, I think that ultimately Stevie is going to be her her own best friend and her own kind of boyfriend, girlfriend, anything. Um, so I think she's going to be on her own for a while, but not alone. Like, and, um, and I think the friendship between her and David and her and Patrick um, is just going to kind of be forever. I am curious about the thing with Roland because like we're working together <laughs> and uh he will not be in the New York office either no no <laughs> so I don't know what's gonna happen there but yeah for now I see that as as Stevie's future for you <laughs> not Stevie but for you <laughs> what is the thing that the time you've had on this show this series that is the most changed for you oof um, oh my God. Um, I mean, this show had a profound effect on my life. Um, I think in the way that it has affected our audience and the people who watch the show and the letters we get, it did the same for me. Um, and, and kind of doubly so, like there's just so much like season one, there's stuff I, I didn't, I always consider myself a very open um person all i i've kind of always been surrounded by um i mean all my friends are mostly gay men and i just um but i even remember that um the wine scene like i didn't know what pansexual was um yeah <laughs> um and then like it's just opened my world up in a way that I didn't even think needed opening. Like I thought I was really like, oh, l love and stuff and 
uh, real articulate. That's what I thought it was. Um, but like, yeah, it, it just opened, it opened my heart up in a way. It also getting, it's been interesting because doing these tours that we do, the reaction from the audience that we get is so, I mean, aside from being crazy because we're not used to 3,000 people being like <laughs> screaming at us. Yeah, we're yeah. not rock stars, but it's really, it's crazy. But it's also a kind of response that is so filled with like love. And they're all, you see all the people being really nice to each other and kind and generous. And it's like this weird cult that you want to be a part of. And, and I think that comes from the goodness that the show puts out that you get that back and I feel like that has affected me like uh before this show I think I would have valued being um a little cooler and glib and like funny but like uh cutting like not to hurt people but like the sharp end of the joke like the um and now I actually value so much like seeing just kindness and, and giving it and doing it and generosity and um, integrity has been a big thing of just being like really who you are and whole and a good person. Like this good person thing killed me because that's <laughs> like I I feel like I've only I've realized so much now how how many how much I have around me of good people yeah mm. that's beautiful and, and these are certainly good people you've gotten to I mean not Dan I mean it's obviously he's the goodest um it's funny though I remember coming on the plane here to start shooting and I suddenly was like I we were going to the CSAs which are our Canadian screen awards like our our Canadian Emmy kind of awards and um I, I was just thinking of what we were going to do. And, um, I just started bawling and got so upset on the plane. And because we fly that Air Canada route so much, we like, we know the flight attendants. Um, and so one of them came up to me and was like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I just started talking to her because we kind of know each other now. And I'm like, I just feel so grateful that like, I, I never told Dan because I don't want him to think that I like, care or anything but I do and I was really just realized that I never really expressed to Dan how this changed my life and how much it really means to me this show and I felt very much like Stevie in that moment like I never um yeah I yeah and so I am so grateful mm -hmm. did you tell him no, no. We'll Never just play him time. this. Yes. And let him react to it. Yes. What do you envision is the future for Alexis? What do you see her going off and doing after the final pages of the script? Oh, God. I think Alexis has grown so much and she's kind of become a real, a real girl. Um, and she has matured and she has developed, but there is so much of Alexis in her still. And I love that. So I think that even though she is going on to um, pursue a career and continue with her independence, I think, I hope that she still has so many outrageous encounters ahead of her. And, um, you her know, future name dropping will be as good as her. Yeah, exactly. Name exactly. Dropping. That's exactly my wish for her is that those stories never 
cease. Um, but I think New York and I think the PR thing is working out really well. And, um, you know, I would, I would tune in to watch a spinoff. <laughs> if anyone, Dan, if anyone's listening <laughs> right now. Happen. Yeah. Would it be called a little bit Alexis? A lot more One Alexis? I would only hope, right? A little bit, a little, <laughs> a little too bit much more. Alexis. <laughs> Do you see her finding love, a healthy relationship with the right person? I think so. And maybe she'll find a healthy relationship with a few more people down the road. But I do think that her days of jumping frivolously and carelessly from one person to the next might be might be winding down. I really do think that her relationship with Ted um, was the most important relationship, obviously, she's ever had. And I, I think that what I love so much about it is that they didn't change for each other. They changed because of each other in a really healthy way. Um, and they helped each other grow into... Um, same but different. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think she learned a lot and will carry that with her to whichever lucky man or woman comes next. <laughs> we come back to Schitt's Creek 10 years from now. Oh my gosh. What is Twyla doing? Oh gosh, that's such a good question. Um, still owns the cafe. I think it's, I think she might've, she might've put her name up, Twyla's Cafe Tropical. She might not have, it's hard to say. It's, it, that would seem off brand for her to put her name on something. I would love to see her with a family, with a really lovely guy and kids and somebody else runs the cafe most of the time, but she comes in and, and works maybe once or twice a week and lives this really comfortable life in Schitt's Creek, not not eating much much more than her family and her and her family being very different from her upbringing. She has so much love to give. And I think a lot of people were saying in the first or second season that Ted actually seemed like a very good match for Twyla. They're both very similar in that way. Yeah. And um, I think somebody like a Ted who's responsible and, and kind and trustworthy and, and all of those things. Likes animals, makes bad puns. Yeah, makes bad puns, jokes that she'd laugh at, yeah. all of it. Yeah, rides a motorcycle. <laughs> Gotta throw that in there. My own theory on that is that they have a very, very bright future. I think uh, Moira is back to uh, acting, and I think Johnny goes back into business, but what they bring with them is all the experience that they've gathered during their six years living in Schitt's Creek and what they've learned about each other and their family and responsibility and love and everything they never had before is is um, part and parcel with what they drive through their future with. What is your take? Is there a future world where Ted comes back from the Galapagos or whatever it is that happens where you can see them together? Or do you feel like they're just going in different directions? I think, uh, I think there's absolutely a future for Ted and Alexis. I think, though, it is... Um, no matter how many times they may run into each other in the next like foreseeable future, I think for them it's something where, again, they've had this, this, this short journey together over these six seasons where they have both grown so, so much and changed so much. And 
understand themselves in a much better way than they did before. And I think now it's their chance to go off and kind of live in the world independent of each other with this newfound sense of self. And I do believe that uh, it's, it's one of those things where five, ten years down the line, they may meet up again, uh, gray hairs, uh, I'd say wrinkles. Years, on, it's not that I'd long. say wrinkles on Alexis, but you know she's going to be <laughs> no Botox way. right up. Yeah, she's going to be jacked. She's going to be like full on Housewives of Beverly Hills style. Uh, no shade. I love that show so much, except for Camille. Oh my God. Not Camille. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think there is there is absolutely a future for them. Uh, but for now, it's it's meant to be that they are meant to be apart. Oh, that's a, put that on a T-shirt. Yeah. When you, as an actor, look back on this show ten years from now, what is going to be the lasting memory of Schitt's Creek for you? I mean, there's there's a few. Uh, I love this is nothing to attend Alexis, but I love the line I think in season one, where uh, David says to Stevie when they're in the liquor store, the wine store, and he says, "I'm into the wine, not the mm -hmm. label." To me, that just embodies the what at that time hadn't really been fully developed yet, but the overall message of the show, which I just love so, 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 so much. But I think that's that's one standout moment. I think for uh, Annie and I, I don't even remember what episode it is, but when Ted's dog sitting, the two dogs, and they have diapers. <laughs> <laughs> and so when we were shooting that, uh, we had to put, in order to get the one dog to sniff the other dog's diaper, we had to, they had to put like steakums in, oh. in the other dog's diaper. <laughs> it was just, that, was, that was something where Annie and I, we uh, got along really well, but that was, I think, when we really started having fun together on set. So I'll definitely remember that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's countless little, little nuggets, uh, so to speak. That one specifically was a literal nugget in the diaper. But uh, there's so many moments that... Uh, Thanks for that pun, yeah. by the way. Thank you. I'm, <laughs> I'm always desperate to <laughs> force them into every single conversation. Uh, but no, it, it is one of those things where there's just so, so many little teeny tiny moments, especially, though, of me and Annie losing our shit and being unprofessional and giggling uh, off camera or on camera when we're supposed to have it together. Uh, I think that's what I'll remember most. What is what is like the one scene or moment from the whole season, the whole series uh -huh. that you've never forgotten and that you've always just held closest to your heart? Oof, um, I'm just going to go with the first thing that came to mind because if I start to think about it, there's so many. Um, but the the first thing that I'll, I always think about is the first episode where um, David is asking her for towels and he's doing that and she's like he said he called me rude and I'm like uh yeah I take that as a compliment and just walking away and I just I just love how kind of tough Stevie was then and because sometimes people people online make these like cuts or of um mashup videos and stuff and me and Dan whenever we see them First of all, the first thing we do is like, oh my God, we were so young. What <laughs> happened? Um, but also, it's interesting how they've grown and we don't even realize it. Like if you look back at season one, Stevie is so like a hard shell closed off completely and would never be the Stevie who in, I think it was like season four or something like broke down and cried about like having the motel and would never be like you're my best friend and all that stuff um or even like the scene we saw today i felt like that moment where you have to 
tell David that his friends, his alleged New York friends aren't coming is like so devastating. Oh, yeah. And Stevie and you playing are upset in that moment in this incredibly like empathetic way that is definitely not the Stevie of five years ago. Yeah. Oh, God. I think it's weird. This isn't now I've gone on to a different thing in my head, but it just what you just reminded me of is the, the love that Stevie has for David and I wonder if that's why she's not going to be with anybody because I I think she looks at him in a way she's never loved a person before in that like, I see you and I love all the things about you and I see your like the real you and the good you inside that you can be. and And she's just like... I don't know. It's the most, it's, I've said this a while ago, but it's this friendlationship that is, um, I think, sometimes better than any kind of romantic relationship or just friendship. It's, um, it's like soulmates. Um, so, yeah. I forget what you were asking me something no, else. No, that's and- good. Where would we go on our honeymoon? David and Patrick, the, the wedding's over. Where would we go? Wherever David says, I think. I would say he'd aim for the Maldives. Too expensive. And then end up in Cancun. Yes. <laughs> Wherever David says, second. It would be a nice boutique hotel in Cancun, but they would be beside a rowdy hotel filled with people on spring break, and he would be pissed. We'd probably go over for one night just to see Maybe. what it was like. Yeah. What would our 25th wedding anniversary be like? Oh, I think that depends on a lot of things. I think so, it depends where we're at financially. Uh-huh. Say we're doing well. Okay, if we're doing well. Well, I think Johnny has the has now, there's the motel chain that's coming up. So this apothecary is now in all the motels right. that they've built. So there's, in, there's built-in money. We'd be in our 50s. We'd be in our 50s. Um, I see us on the front porch of our home. Oh, that's nice. We have like a big... Yeah, we'd either have people over. We'd have to. Or no one would show up well, because David has turned everybody off. <laughs> and we'd just be rocking in some chairs, maybe having some skin contact wine from our store. Very nice. And bickering over something. I feel like Patrick at this point is definitely smoking a pipe. Oh. Don't you think? Yeah. That he's would grown be a, com- a beard. Yeah, that would be a conversation for he's sure. He's grown a beard and he's mm-hmm. smoking a pipe. And he likes to read. And yeah, I'll let you smoke for a pipe. Go for long walks alone. On this anniversary. That's a nice time when you can do that <laughs> as a one-off. I would say when we get to Johnny and Moira's young age, that we would be... I hope that they are act as sort of a, a guide for David. Yeah. I feel like they, as, as dysfunctional as the family is, their relationship and their marriage has always been such a pillar of consistent strength mm-hmm. for the two of them. And I think in a subconscious way, must have informed David in terms of things that he wants, maybe, in his life. Do you think that your fashion your... sense would have evolved? Oh, for stayed... sure I would be dressed like Moira. Okay. By so 60, I would, sort of there would be full, we would be just in exaggerated clown-like bows. There would be, he would be the talk of the town. <laughs> One storyline, less about the future and more about an alternate reality that could have been within Schitt's Creek was a double wedding. Many different people sort of told us that at various points, Dan had 
alluded to or promised or threatened that there would be a double wedding to end the series, uh, David and Patrick and Alexis and Ted. What if it had been just another random couple? <laughs> I know, just someone else, Bob. It was like Ronnie and Ronnie and her girlfriend. <laughs> exactly. We, like all good interrogations, tried to ask everyone uh, separately a bunch of different questions about this, um, including Annie, Dustin, uh, Dan, even Noah, to sort of comment on uh, what the double wedding that wasn't. In season, I think maybe in season three, Dan was like, there's going to be a double wedding. It's going to be Ted and Alexis and Patrick and David. And I was like, yay, I can't wait. Sign me up. That's going to be a perfect ending to the show, <laughs> Dan. Wow. Maybe he just wanted you to go full in on the <laughs> He wanted Alexis to really believe that. Yeah. Like, this is what's going to happen. We're going to have side by side. When did you? And it would, wow, that's quite a misdirection. It was a deep Were you angry? This, I, I was furious. I threatened to quit the show <laughs> and didn't follow through on it. Annie told us that Dan told her that Ted and Alexis and David and Patrick are going to have a double wedding. I can't believe she said that. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, that is, that was so originally. Did, you also, did you also get like a talk from Dan about that? Yeah, like, look, here's work? what I'll say about Dan. <laughs> uh, has a lot of great ideas. Uh, I think on his next job when, as a showrunner, he'll learn to not say all of those ideas to the cast. <laughs> Because Annie and I were, uh, to be honest, we were quite looking forward to that because we thought that was yeah. an, an alternate uh, great way to to wrap out the show. Um, that being said, I do think there's something really nice about this version of it because, like I said, it is just a little bit more, uh, I think, the real version of it mm -hmm. and not the quite the bow-wrapped happy ending. Uh, she said she threatened to quit, but then yeah. I couldn't figure out how to <laughs> yeah, follow through on that. Yeah, how do I actually do that? Uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, it was that was something that we were we were both quite looking forward to. That's the thing. It, honestly, though, it's like so selfish because it's just Annie and I wanting to get to do stuff together. I think yeah. that's on it. You know, it's it is a very rare thing where you have not only like a, a, a supporting you know scene partner who is good at what they do, but also that you genuinely like. Mm -hmm. That's that really. I've been doing this like thirteen or fourteen years, and it's rare that that happens. Usually, everyone's faking it. Uh, all that chemistry, but Annie and I, it was, uh, it was real. So Annie once told EW that you at one point promised her that there would be a double wedding. What happened and uh, why would you say that? That's an interesting question because originally I had thought in the back of my mind it was going to be an Alexis and Ted wedding. And then this is actually because of Annie and their relationship, I felt like Annie gave such depth to that character that for me, that wasn't what her character needed at the end of our show. Mm. I feel like Annie sort of breathed such life into that character that Alexis needed autonomy. She needed personal strength. She needed to come out of this show uh, liberated in a way that wasn't necessarily attached to a guy. To have gone through that relationship, I felt like it would be more fulfilling to that character to have loved and lost and been set on a track that is sort of leading her into her future rather than settle with someone at the end of the show. And that is why I did not do it. It wasn't 
Because you didn't want her stealing your thunder on your wedding day. It was definitely because of that, too. <laughs> but this is the answer I'll use today. Gotcha. We already got so sappy at the end of our actual episode. We can't redo all of that again. But I do want to say thank you for listening to all of this. Thank you to everyone who's been as excited for us to go through this stack of content that could have just been left on a cutting room floor, maybe should have been left on a cutting room floor, but Never. I think, no, I think deserved to be out there. Like you told us over and over again as fans that you just wanted more, more, more. So we're giving you more, more, more. Here it is. It's more. Again, you know, we, we won't go down the gushy road again so far uh, as we did last time, but uh, we do have to say thank you all for listening. Thank you all for subscribing and rating and reviewing the podcast. It really does uh, help get it in front of as many eyeballs as possible. Um, and even beyond that, like individually, like tagging people on Twitter and being like, have you checked this out? You've got to listen to it. It makes our day. Uh, it makes the cast's day when we run into them. Um, they have told us how much it, uh, they've loved having this kind of little mm -hmm. time capsule and uh, seeing you all enjoy it as much as they've enjoyed creating the show and talking to us about creating the show. Uh, you know, they certainly look at all of uh, all of the fans or friends as a community and all as part of the creative process for them. Um, so we are just uh, so honored that we've been a part of that with you all and to go on this journey with all of you. Uh, yeah. Okay. Never mind. I lied and I said we weren't going to go down this road, but we are. So uh, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you. Um, Sheena, we did it last time, but we have to do it again. Let's do it together. Uh, okay. This has been EW, EW on set. set.